episode of the Black Lotus Podcast. Today we have a very special guest, um, my uncle, who, I mean, obviously, I've known my entire life. Um, he <laughs> moved to Philly um, and is thinking about moving back, but he stopped by the studio to come chop, chop it up with, you, with us. And what's up? What's up, everybody? How are you doing? What's up, y'all? How y'all feeling? <laughs> What's up with the sages, man? How y'all doing? Man, it's it's been good to have you on. It's good to have you on. Michael's been talking about getting you on again. Yeah, for a while, you know, like since the last time. But we haven't we haven't had a chance to actually stop by and actually talk. So, um, yeah. What are you? What do you? Um, what did? What have you been up to today? Today I just had some. Um, a couple of sessions so I had so I'm a, a therapist a social worker by 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 profession um, I do a lot of mental health kind of entrepreneurial work so um, I'm a therapist so I do individual therapy uh, group therapy um, also do consultation also do a lot of more teaching um, and training facilitation um, I do guest lecturing for classes uh, and a lot of other dope shit. So, <laughs> okay. yeah. So today, I, I just I had a couple sessions, um, had a meeting, and then just answering emails around uh, people that want to be clients, people that want to work with me. So it's 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 it was a easy day today. I say that. Hey, what do you think is the most the most rewarding thing about your job? Ooh, that's a good question. The most I think the most rewarding is seeing somebody when they first start with me and seeing where they are as far as, you know, whether they are dealing with um, anxiety or depression or PTSD yeah. and having, you know, just working with them, getting to know them, having the privilege of them trusting me with kind of their deepest, darkest secrets and then helping them move past that, that space that they were in. And so kind of seeing them in the beginning and then seeing kind of them in that better space where their energy looks a lot different. So it's, it's just rewarding that I have the opportunity to to, to do that with, with folks. Right, that's that's really cool. So as a person like 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 in in healthcare, like what do you do to relieve your stress? Like, cause there's nobody, you know, like you're helping relieve other people's stress. How do you relieve your stress? Like, do you go to a therapist? Does Absolutely. Does therapist go to a therapist? Absolutely. Every Friday. And when he laid on mat, um, <laughs> it's you know. Doing work like this, doing um, selfless work, being a helper, being healer, is is draining because yeah. you're constantly holding space for people. You're constantly hearing traumatic uh, stories, and and having to you know work through that with folks. And so it's you know I'm a big um, you know person that pushes self care. Yeah, not right. just for therapists but for everybody we yeah. are too that's what we that's something that we care, yeah. care about deeply on this platform yes. so self-care is something I, I mean i do lectures on self-care and trainings um but it's really about really listening to your body and i know that you know for some folks that might sound kind of cheesy or whatever but our bodies typically tell us what we need right yeah, like in the same do. way that when your stomach grumbles like you know you're hungry our body tells us when we're overwhelmed, when we're stressed out, and we gotta listen and we gotta just rest. Yeah. And so, um, I for me, I have self care Sunday, and so that basically means that on Sunday it's the only day I don't work, um, 
I do whatever it is that I want to do. And so if I don't answer the phone, people know it's self-care Sunday. It might be just sitting in bed, laying in bed and watching sports all day. It might be going to the gym and going out. It's literally whatever it is I want to do because um, my time is occupied by other folks so much and I really have to, you know, recharge, you know. He starts turning off his phone. He just started the thing where he turns off his phone. Let's talk about that. Do not disturb in airplane mode. Yeah, man. I just turn it off. I just turn it off. That's honestly this this summer. That's what I've been doing a lot because so I in uh, I, I ended school about about May and I was still in D.C. because I, I you know for those who don't know I go to Howard University and I I wasn't over there for the while. I was over there for a while and a lot of my friends had left. So I was still there, but I still had a good a group a good group of people around me. But I was by myself a lot more than I was during the semester, and slowly I kind of got into the habit of, all right, because I like to read a lot. To actually focus on my reading, I took my book with me and didn't bring my phone up to like uh, up to the top terrace of my apartment, mm. and I just started doing that. And gradually I got more okay with being off of my phone. So then when I came back home in about mid June, I started just turning it off completely. In the, like, in, in the beginning of the day, when after I wake up, because I realize how much time we waste spending on our phones in the morning. It's crazy. We wake up and, and hop on it for like an hour, don't even notice. Yeah. Yeah. So I tried to get into the habit of just turning it off and, and just reading and then reading and working out. And then if I have to go to work or do something in the middle of the day, I'll turn my phone back on. But so, but in those first hours of the day where I need to focus, I hop off my phone and I realize how great it was for me. Like It was true self-care because mm-hmm. I also had a notebook. Where I would take a walk and and just write in just write in my notebook. If I went to go get something to eat, I didn't bring my phone with me, but I had my, my notebook documenting my thoughts mm-hmm. when I was about to eat this food. To talking about the, the anticipation or just um, just anything. So I definitely feel like our 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 phones are have kind of gotten us to care about other people more than ourselves. Yeah, you know. So I think that's one of the biggest things for me. My self love is just devoting time strictly to myself. Mm. And not and not allowing other people to kind of drag drag me down and like for you that's the, that's that's your Sunday. Yeah, I mean you know I, and I talk to my to my clients about self care and I've started um, integrating this into my therapy. So the last ten minutes of every session, um, we talk about. So my therapy is as as I explained, it's body, mind, and spirit. And so with. Uh, with that, like, so mind is pretty much the work that we do just talking about everyday life and, tr- and stressors and whatnot. Spirit is not, uh, it can include religion or spirituality, but it doesn't have to. It's basically kind of your, your, your energy, like right. how you feel. It's your energy. Um, and body is the one that we typically neglect. Facts. And so I agree with that. I've, you know, integrated a check-in that's like, what does your food intake look like? Are you eating three meals a day? Are you eating one meal a day? What does your water intake look like? Because a lot of people drink juices and sodas, and water is that thing that's really gonna man is what your body needs. Don't get me started. What does your sleep look like? A lot of people have trouble sleeping, and they may, you know, if if you're sleeping 11, 12 hours, then that is a symptom of depression. If you're sleeping two or three hours, that's a symptom of like maybe anxiety or something going on too. Um, what does your connection with your community look like? So are you kicking it with friends, with family, with people that really? give you that energy and you can feed that energy are you getting outside like are you getting sunlight fresh air and then what are what are the things that that bring you joy just because a a lot of us don't i mean lean into whatever these things are that really make us happy um so that has been 
a game changer, I think, for a lot of my clients because it's just like, they're just like, oh, damn, like, I only ate one meal a day. Right. So this is probably why you're irritated because you're hangry. <laughs> or, like, I haven't been sleeping so well for, like, the last couple months, right? And so your, your mental health affects your physical health um, directly. And so, and, and it might, um, folks might know that, right? When you think about feeling stressed, um, you feel that in your body. I know that I went, I just, I just went and got a massage, a deep tissue massage. And he, and I was just like, stress is in my shoulders. And he, <laughs> and after he was just like, yeah, you got to come back here. Cause I felt it all in your shoulders. Damn. And so it's, 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 it's wild how mental health and, um, physical health are, are so closely related and people don't know that. That's wild. That's, that's wild because I, I know that, uh, I had like, stomach issues mm -hmm. I had an anxiety attack in the uh in the in the hospital and they were like you gotta calm down because the more you know the more you know anxious you get the worse the pain is gonna be mm -hmm. and so um I mean like I I, I didn't like I, it didn't make sense to me at, at first like why like I, why I was hurting but then when I said that it made so much sense yeah no I I feel that one of, one of my favorite things I like to say is bad food bad mood and I apply that a lot to my life. And because I apply it a lot is even when I eat bad food, I'm more conscious of, of how I feel when I start eating something, after I've eaten something bad. Mm -hmm. And I just, if, if, I, if I have a night where I eat really bad, I can feel it the next morning and I'm not as motivated to accomplish my goals. And it's, um, it's something that I think people tend to neglect because my diet always wasn't what it is right now. And, but, when I, but, when it, but when it wasn't, I didn't really notice. But it but it took it took a lot of changes in my life for mm -hmm. me to understand how important your diet is in terms of in terms of your mood. Because if you're eating if you're eating like like big big meals all throughout the day, then there's a reason why you're feeling lazy. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why why you're not working as hard and whatever you're doing to to accomplish your overarching goal. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. so I definitely I'm I definitely fully agree that that our body is just as important to our mental health as everything as as, as everything that people usually talk about. Yeah. You know, so it's like it's it's just I wish I wish there was more attention to that and focus to that in the media because um, I feel like it's always it's always just talking about the mind. Yeah. You know, and and the mind the mind is important, but what it what are you doing to to alleviate all the stresses and stressors that are going on in your body? Yeah. Are you are you working out? You know, are you are you are you eating good? Are you are you eating fruit? I don't know, simple stuff like that. And that's something that. No, that's something that, um, so I, I work with, uh, currently working with an NBA player and, you know, uh, for his organization, um, body is very important. Like they have them on not, not, not strict diets, but they know what to eat. They know when not to eat. They know when they're working out. They know when they're going to get a massage. They know when they're going to like ortho like they're like they know that their bodies are incredibly important and so now what we're starting to see um in professional athletes not or professional sports i think um nba is, is kind of has been a, a trailblazer is seeing more mental health professionals being integrated into um either teams or just mental health being talked about a bit more right. and so um you know, it's, 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 I mean, it's wild to hear, like, how many people they have to go to. Yeah. But, like, 
their bodies have to be in top shape because they're playing, what is it, 82 games a, a, a season? 82 plus yeah. playoffs. Plus playoffs if they make it. So, yeah. you know, they like they have to take care of themselves yeah. mentally and physically. Right. How does it how does it feel having to worry about so many people? Because I imagine you have a lot of clients. How 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 is it to to balance all those different types of energy? And since since you're a therapist, it's usually it's usually bad energy a lot of time. Am I right? Or or is it or at least in the beginning stages when when it's like a mixture. Right. It's a mixture of, of, of both. You know, like yin and yang. You know, it comes with the good and the bad. People's lives aren't you know completely sunshine, and then it's not completely rainy days. Right. You know? It's a it's a mix of both. So. I was I was actually gonna ask like what what is like or like a routine thing that like you feel like everybody does like for every everybody like like what is like what do you think that like one thing that you do every day that like relieves you of stress like because you go through all this? Uh, so I'm asking your question first. Okay. Um, no, it's not uh, hard to to hold everyone's stories. Um, I don't know. If this is healthy or not, but it's, it, it works for my, uh, for me. But my like my shut off game is strong. My shut off. So like after I close my laptop or in the call or you know before when I was seeing folks in person, um, they leave. Then that that stays there. That stays in the laptop. That stays there, and I can just focus on something else. Um, I don't I don't categorize people's issues as like good or bad. Mm -hmm. um, it's just kind of cause and effect. So like something happened either in, in their control or not in their control and then there was an effect. And it yeah. could be an effect that, you know, led to more problematic outcomes for them or right. not. Um, so that's that. You asked me, I'm sorry. I mean? like that way of thinking. I like that. What is like, like what is one thing that you do every day to relieve your right. stress? Yeah, and this actually ties with it. Yeah, that's why I yeah. is, um, like right next to it. So I'm, I work from home, so I, I work remotely, so I can pretty much live anywhere, um, which is also a privilege. But um, after my last session, I usually just lay down. <laughs> <laughs> and it may sound simple, but, it's, but I lay down and just kind of reflect. Um, no phone, no TV, no music. I just kind of just lay down. It could be... Anywhere between 10 minutes and it could go as, as up to like 45 minutes to an hour, depending on how heavy the day is or like kind of what's been going on. Yeah. But like that reflection time is, is, is just incredibly important just to like exhale, like yeah. all of the stuff from the day, whether it was meetings or clients or whatever, um, get to kind of uh, regroup almost. Yeah. Right. Have you always had the same style of therapy or has it kind of evolved over the years as, as you've as you've been in, been in the profession longer yeah it's uh, so therapy is interesting in that okay there's a way in which we're kind of taught um and this is a bigger conversation um <laughs> try to simplify it so we we're taught one thing and we kind of have to put our own spin and style on it. Right. If that makes yeah. sense. And that depends on the person. And that depends on the person. And also what your, like who your supervisors are, who teaches you how to like do therapy. Um, so yes, is, is kind of a, is, is the, is the shorter mm -hmm. answer of like, 
there are things that I do today that I probably would not have done, you know, when I was at my internship. Yeah. Um, there are styles and differences that I bring into the space. Mm -hmm. And so part of, so I, I practice at, at the Radical Therapy Center in, uh, in Philadelphia. And we're called radical because we use more of a radical style, more of a decolonized style of social, of, of, of therapy. Okay. Um, so therapy. What do you mean by decolonized? So therapy for folks that don't know in America or in the West, quote unquote, um, was made, created by uh, white men for white men. Facts. And so, you know, I'm not a white man. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, this wasn't made for me. So how do I take what they um, documented and studied and researched Whoa. and spin it so that it works for folks like us? Yeah. So you just, you like created a whole new like study of, of psychology pretty much. Uh, or you're working on it. It's, it's almost like if you have, let's think about cooking, yeah. right? Think about, <laughs> think about how white people don't season their food sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. There'd be some white people that can cook, but like some of them don't season their food. So say like there's a damn Betty Crocker recipe for chicken. <laughs> yeah. And it calls for like a teaspoon of salt yeah. and like a teaspoon of pepper. Yeah. So like that's not enough. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to add right. some garlic powder, I'm going to add some seasoning salt, I'm going to add some like some other stuff paprika. To, to, to make it uh, work for my taste buds. We yes. have different problems than they do. Yes. Well, we, we, Very have, different we have problems. completely different deeper problems. Ancestry, lineage, so yeah. still only six, six or seven generations away from slavery, so yeah. that's I mean, the weird It's passed down very, very easily. Right. It's passed that's down very, very and easily. And that's some of the stuff that I uh, name in my sessions, too. Whereas a, whereas a therapist that, you know, that traditional therapist won't talk about generational trauma. They won't talk about white supremacy. They won't talk about how capitalism is um, <laughs> causing a lot of issues here. For sure. Um, they won't talk about colorism. Like, yeah. like all of these things that, like, won't, that aren't discussed by your typical um, traditional therapist, yeah. I intentionally talk about that stuff because those are real stressors. Yeah. Look at what's going on right now with politics, with Roe v. Wade, with yeah. how there's violence against like trans people, how there's like like there there's just so much happening, and for me to sit in front of someone with one of those identities and not bring that up is doing them a disservice. Nice. Yeah, nice. so that's kind of part of what radical or decolonized therapy is. So what do you think is like one big gesture or like one small gesture that you think that like needs to happen like within like health like with the mental health care because i feel like there's like when i when i when i when i was when i was working with trying to getting a therapist um they had me take like a analysis and the analysis was kind of weird because they asked me like questions that like were kind of controversial and i was like I feel like that you can definitely ask these questions differently and mm -hmm. deeper to get more of an accurate like analysis of the person's you know psyche. Mm -hmm. Um, so psychology is a bit different than social work. Psychology and psychiatry pull from the medical model. Yeah, and so they basically are like this person has a symptom. 
whether it's you know depression so they 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 can't get out of bed whether it's you know flashbacks because of PTSD so psychologists and psychiatrists traditionally just treat the symptom yes social workers look at the person within their environment so they're looking at where you grew up they're looking at what your family structure looks like they're looking at what your interaction with community looks like so if you are a black male what is your interaction with police look like um if you were a black woman you know what's your what's your connection to like um your body look like because for a lot of women um their bodies are you know they're they're taught that their bodies don't really belong to them yeah um and so we're bringing in all of these different aspects and we're saying how does everything contribute to this sim- to this symptom that this person is is experiencing yeah um you asked me something, I don't even know if I answered your question. Um, I, I said, <laughs> sorry. what do you think is like one thing that like people, um, I guess I'm going to change it up a little bit. What do you think is one p- thing that like most of your clients, like you teach most of your clients like to do every day? Or just like a small gesture that they should keep like, that, that would make a big impact in their like daily lives or like lives? Um, you know, I, I, there's this term um that's called radical self-love and is coined by uh, a woman named Sonia renee taylor who wrote the book the body is not an apology and um we had her on the podcast actually she's she's dope but um what episode i don't know (laughs) it's the melanated social work podcast i'll go go back and put it in the description episode something i don't know (laughs) but um it's it's that it's radical self-love it's 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 really understanding yourself and your insecurities and imperfections mm-hmm. all the good stuff all the bad stuff and just saying you know what this is me and yeah. i love myself and i'm gonna choose me and that's really hard for it's hard right because we have so many different um influences telling us who we're supposed to be man and so when we're told who we're supposed to be and everyone's bought into that if I don't, if I now don't identify with who we're supposed to be, right. I have anxiety now because I'm not like everybody else. I have like the, I, the, there's a mismatch of who I'm supposed to be, and and I, I don't know if we're heading toward masculinity, but I'm gonna bring up masculinity. Hell yeah! Um, there we go. Of masculinity, right? Like what it means to be a man, and then like okay, well, what if I don't fall inside this this very. Uh, uh, small box of you know what defines a man right um you know and then it's just like okay well damn i don't i don't fit there where do i fit yeah and then there's identity confusion there's all of this stuff so i say all that to say um just radical self-love like choosing to really know who you are first um not avoiding all of the things that we typically (laughs) try to avoid and but instead like leaning in and embracing those things yeah embracing who we are Embracing who you are, all, all of it. Right, and actually, I, I do you think a crucial part of that is giving yourself the alone time to to be able to radically love yourself? Because, because like, like you said, a lot of um, a lot of problems that we have are are like we're trying to fit into a box that everybody else perceives us in. So, do you think sometimes we need to just have have time to ourselves so we can truly learn who we are? And not having and not and getting away from the image that everybody wants us to be. I don't know. What do you, What do you think of that? Yes and no. Yes and no. Okay. So, 
Yes, if there's an, if if the individual is one of those people who is going to sit and reflect. Okay. But sometimes what people go through are the or, or you know uh, these different thoughts are too they they give them too much anxiety or right, they, yeah. like it's okay. too much for them. Okay. And so they avoid. And so what happens is when you avoid is that the in, that e, that emotion or that internal chaos still stays. But that's when you see these other symptoms kind of show up. Like yeah, people that might smoke weed a little bit too much yeah. or drink a little bit too much or risky sexual, you know, behaviors or different things like that yeah. because internally they're they're sweeping something something un, under the rug. But the more you sweep some, something under the rug, that pile going to get bigger and bigger. And so like it's not going anywhere. You're just trying to kind of hide it. Right. And so it shows up in different ways. Wow. So yeah, so again, that like for an individual that'll really sit and be introspective, then yes, that alone time would be helpful. But if it's for somebody that is afraid of themselves, that's not gonna help. So for okay, for, for somebody who is afraid of themselves, do you do you say they need to talk to a therapist more to 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 try to unearth those problems and and take the from and take them from out the rug? If we're gonna use that analogy, still, you know, are, are we gonna you know? How do you go about that? I mean, that's what I would recommend. Right. Yeah. But you can't force anybody to talk about the stuff problem. that they're not ready for. Right. So it's strange. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. what, I mean, and that's what I, what I used to run into is that, you know, in therapy um, or in mental health, there aren't many black men um, who are therapists. Yeah. Mm. And so automatically they see me and they're like, oh, my nephew, my son, my husband, my whoever yeah. needs help. Usually from a woman. And they're just like, yeah, help this person yeah. because I see that there's an issue, help them. And so I'm like, okay. And so, you know, when I first started, what I was running into was that all of these moms or grandmothers were like wanting their sons, grandsons, whoever to get help, but they weren't ready to talk about any of it. Right. Yeah. And so they would come in session. I'd be like, okay, you know, what's been going on? Nothing. Uh, <laughs> them not knowing I have all this history about them messing up in school, them stealing cars, them smoking weed. And like, what's, what's been going on? Nothing. I'm, I'm cool. I'm chilling. You're not ready. Right. Yeah. And it's okay if you're not ready. Yeah. But don't waste my time. Right, <laughs> don't, yeah. don't waste my time. Don't waste your money or your parents or whoever's money. Yeah. If you're not ready. Mm. And that's one of the main things I say in my calls is that like, if, if you are not ready, that is okay. Right. Perfectly fine. But I come see me when you're ready. Right. I, I think um, I think a big problem that we face in our society today, particularly for black men, is that we don't, we tend to bottle up feelings for so long, mm -hmm. and, and, and we tend to, to run away from the problems that we have. It, for, a lot of, for, uh, for a lot of black men, it can become who they are. And when it's who they are, they can't get it out. Mm -hmm. when, yeah. when, when, when it's actually time to get help and, and heal from whatever situation that you haven't healed from more situations. Yeah. And I think those resources are, are, are kind of hard to find for us. And then, like you said, there aren't a lot of black men in those research in, in, in those, in those places. And now we, it's kind of like a conundrum. It's just a weird conundrum because although like a black woman or any type or any woman beside, or any type or any person besides a black man like me might not understand my problems mm -hmm. as much. Yeah. Because, because you know, that's why it's important to have representation in those fields because we need to see that, okay, it's somebody like me. 
Yep. It's somebody who who I who who I can who I can infer that he has a similar experience as me because he's a black man in America. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um I remember so I was working my first job out of grad school, I worked with this uh this program that we work with victims of violence, so folks that had been shot, stabbed, and assaulted. And so we had um, access, so the uh, hospital at the time was right across the street, so we had access to the emergency room, to recovery rooms, all this. And so that's where we would like find the folks. So we we get reports saying that like, hey, this person has been shot, stabbed, whatever, um, they might be in, in need of your services. Yeah. So we go over, um, I remember there was this, this guy that I was working with, he had been um, assaulted, he was mad. He was. He was. He was. He was. <laughs> he was on his phone on IG Live, yeah. saying like, "I'm about to like mess this person up who did this because I know who it was." Yeah. Um, tattoos on the face, like a whole like. He was about that life. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so he, you <laughs> he know, playing around. He he was very serious. Um, so I started meeting with him, yeah. and one of the maybe it was the third or fourth session. Um, I forget what we were talking about, but he just like cried. He yeah. cried hard and long. And to your point about, you know, black men holding things in, right. is that you could tell that he held in, he was Lying. holding in stuff probably for years, maybe for decades. And now finally all of it was coming out. Um, And so it shouldn't be the case that we're holding in all of these emotions like we should have spaces where we're we're allowed to say you know what i feel inadequate i feel um uh like overwhelmed right instead of this this and again this masculinity teaches us that we're supposed to have our shit together all the time that we're supposed to be able to handle everything that we're supposed to be providers and again if i don't now what does that make me And so, you know, we're we're real good, black and brown men, of you know, at, at holding things in. Yeah. We're not very good at asking for help. Yeah. We're not very good at being expressive and emotionally um, intelligent in a, in a lot of ways. And partially, you know, we can we can blame men, obviously, but the bigger issue, and this is what I like to bring up in in people's um, like in my sessions, in my talks, mm-hmm. is that we get like. I could blame you for not being emotional, right? Yeah. But where did you learn that from? Right. You learned that yeah, from, from generations and generations right. and generations. And, and that, so, that's the bigger picture that's not focused on enough. Yeah. Right. And so we have to think about patriarchy. And so, like, we have to think about how male-dominated this world is and, like, how, again, men are supposed to show up one way, women are supposed to show up another way. In the eyes of patriarchy, that's all that there is. Man, woman, man shows up this way, woman shows up this way. Mm-hmm. And so we also have to think about historically what was going on for a lot of um, our parents and grandparents, right? This was, it was civil rights struggle. And right. so they didn't really have time to talk about emotions because they was trying to survive these racist white people. Yeah. They were trying to make sure they weren't getting called nigger and getting their ass lynched. Yeah. Never, that was never time to heal. Never yeah. time to actually heal and think, well, like, there's never been a period in American history, post-slavery, that we've had a chance to actually heal. We just had to th- th- throw it out into the United States and like, all right, we'll find, make a living. Yeah, it's not even in living. survival take, mode. Take right. consideration, peonage, and, 
and how, how we are all on, still on plantations because of uh, sharecropping, you know, we never really did have any time to heal. Right, and, and then you throw in the 70s and 80s mass incarceration. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's like breaking families even more. Yeah. With like, I was, I'm sorry, I'm about to go on a tangent about law and order, that, that whole... That that whole era of of just um <laughs> like that, that that whole era of of punishing black people for for crimes that we were doing because we were mad at the system that yeah. economically suppressed us. Yeah. And then when the, their whole law and order tactics went into policies, I we're just gonna start throwing them in jail. They really like like that's that's only that only makes the problem worse. Now now you have another now you have a black little boy who's without his father growing up. He has no one to talk to, and then and then you end up being like like the same people that you're giving therapy to, who yeah. who, who who never had a, a male figure to to, to look to look up to, yeah. and you know like your mom's always gonna be there for you, but she simply just won't understand. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, like a male would. Things you can't. There's certain things you can't talk to your mom about. Yeah, right, right. That, that's facts, and that's why I love um, the um, the quote of, of you saying it has to be it's it's, it's cause and effect. Mm-hmm. It's cause and effect because cause and effect goes into history as well. There's yeah. a reason why we are feeling what we are feeling today, yeah. and it just it doesn't just come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It, this is stuff that is like I am feeling this way because of things that happened 70 years before I was born. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. 30 years, 10 years, however much, however span, many span of time. That's how history works. 400 years. It, right. It, it's years. just not. It's not in a box, and people trying yeah. to act like all that stuff is in a box. Like, oh, yeah. you're acting like this because of one thing that happened in your life. No, it's. It builds up, and that's how time works. And, people, and that's why we all need seasoning. <laughs> we all need a little seasoning. <laughs> we all need a little seasoning. <laughs> but there's, there's a, um, and you can Google this if you, if you want to, but there's a photo of um, the brain. And the brain um, that hasn't been traumatized and a brain that has had significant trauma. They look very, very different. Really? Very, very that's different. That's crazy. I didn't know that. And so what happens is... Oh, testing my grad school knowledge right now. Ooh, let's get it. Uh, <laughs> what happens is, I'm going to simplify because I know I'm not going to say the right words, but right. basically when the brain develops um, and it's growing, it makes uh, different connections, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost like a like a branch on a tree, right? right? So like you have the, 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 tr- the big trunk part and then you have a branch and off that branch comes another branch, off mm-hmm. that branch comes another branch, right? Cause, and, and those are the connections that our brains typically right. make. And so... For the traumatized brain, those connections are cut short. Oh, I see it. Yeah, that's crazy. And so, yeah. So, I know what it looks like. But for a traumatized brain, it's a bit smaller. Some some parts um, of the brain are a bit smaller. Um, and again, the, your brain isn't firing as quickly. Your yeah. brain isn't able to make as many connections as they typically do. And so that's why... Um, sometimes you might have folks that don't remember a lot of things. Like yeah. it's not because, you know, they're absent-minded. It's because like they're inter- it's generational trauma. Yeah. And like think about a traumatized back to slave days, an enslaved yeah. African male and an ens- enslaved African woman, both daily trauma. Now they have a child. Do you think automatically that- this child is has has traumatized genes? Yeah, I was gonna ask. Does, do you think that that actually has an effect on like the brain over time? Like, Absolutely. A, like over generation, over generation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. That's why. This is why generational trauma continues because let's not talk about slavery. Let's talk about folks that live in um, like low income communities, and yeah. there's like 
violence all the time. And oh, there's and it just becomes a cycle of violence because it's already in their genes. That's yeah. great. And they have kids, and then they go through this the exact same, same thing. Traumatized right. parents, traumatized child. Child gets traumatized in the environment, finds another traumatized person, they get together, yeah. traumatized, and have another traumatized child. You know it's, what I mean? It's like that. Yeah. It's, it's that simple. Yeah. But, but people act like it's. I hate. I hate. I genuinely hate when people say, "Oh, why don't why, why don't you just do better and work harder, and, and then you'll be successful." Yeah. It's like, like it's easy for it's easy for you to say that because because you grew up in a family that was more that was that was healthier. But mm-hmm. for another person who lives in a completely completely different environment than you, it's yeah. it's it's different, and I and I think that comes from like. A lot of ignorance that people can't yeah. act like, like people can't act like other people can't experience something like hard, right? Know? Or exp- like like I saw like this is a very famous uh, picture. It's the three kids who are standing on the crate boxes, and one's tall, one's short, and one's like right in the middle. Mm-hmm. And so one of them in one of the pictures, you have all of them standing on uh, one crate box, and then the other one. The tall kid's not standing on one, the short one's standing on two, and the middle one is standing on one because it, it, it's symbolizing what equality is and equity is. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like certain people, when you talk to them, obviously, are not going to be able to um, have the opportunities that certain people have. So you can't expect them to do the same things. Mm-hmm. Or even come from the same place and do as well as certain people who come from other places. Yeah. Because that's just not how it's not life real. works. It's not real. It's, it's just not a reality that we live in. Yeah. So. Which is, which is really interesting to me because, again, we try to put folks in a box. But, like, nobody, yeah. no two people on this planet are the same. Yeah. Even no twins. Two. No two. Even twins. That's a fact. Right? And so, to say that there are so many different people with so many different experiences, with so many different just like areas of the of the of this planet and trying to fit all of them into one <laughs> like yeah. you know, character. You can't even fit one person into it's a box. Yeah. Like, how do you think you're gonna fit in ten hundreds, I mean, millions of people? But this into is what a box. we do. This is what yeah. we do, and so that's part of my work too. Is is, ha- is helping folks unlearn a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. I was gonna ask, what do you think is one thing that black people need to unlearn? Ooh. <laughs> uh, I know it. I know it's a plethora. You can go things. Uh, you can go as deep as you need. This, this, yeah. this is our wheelhouse right here. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna just. I'm, it's a, a, a simple answer, but but it's a, uh, or the word is simple, but the complexity of it um, is unlearn white supremacy. And Damn. what I mean by that, and I think Man, people, I when I say I'm, I say white supremacy all the time, um, yeah, no, I mean, no, no, it's no. It not. It's, yeah, it's no, a fact. It's, it's all throughout our society. And so yes. when I say white supremacy, because I think a lot of people think that. I'm, I'm speaking just to, like, overt racism. Like, no. somebody calling you a nigger or, you know, not giving you a job because you're black, whatever, something like that. But the psychological... Cycle is deep. ...impact deep. of white supremacy... Man. ...is <laughs> unmatched. Unmatched. Um, Especially on black men. Yeah. It, it, it's crazy. It, it, it's really crazy. 
like and and it goes even even goes like even to the early like even the early days on, on the plantation like how how the patriarchy really affected us you know and what they tried to do to establish that we are not a part of them well yeah they they didn't even view men and women as as gender yeah. beings yeah like, and they, then they, they viewed it as like little property yeah yeah yeah, yeah. beast of burden and so this this I think the man not one of the parts of white supremacy that we need to unlearn is that um, that we don't need to be in competition with one each with 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 with, with, uh, with mm. one another so much. I, I like that. I like that. And so I like that. It's you know this again. White supremacy tells us. So remember, African um, nations, um, indigenous nations. These were collectivist cultures. And so, when I talk and when I talk about mental health, mental health even looked differently. There was no such thing as a therapist, like a one-to-one therapist. Yeah. The community held you. Yeah. The village held the you. The community raised each other. Right. Things. And so, when if, if if someone dies, right, the community is, is around you. If someone does something dope or graduate, not graduates, I don't know whatever their equivalent to graduates is. People are there's drums, there's dancing, there's singing, right? Like. You're, you're held by the community. Yeah. Right? And so, that's something that we need to get back to. And I think that, again, with capitalism, we're worried about money. Facts. We're worried about getting money. As fast right? as And possible. so, capitalism, again, which was, which was um, uh, given, given to us in America <laughs> via white supremacy, um, <laughs> is another thing, right? This idea of grind culture. Like, oh, it's got to be on my grind. There's nothing wrong with working hard. And I want to make that clear. There's nothing wrong with working hard. But when it is to the point where it's like you work in 20-hour days and you got nine jobs and you got to do that and that and that and that. When all for that almighty dollar. All for that money. Because you, cause you want to... The money's making no you stunt. at that point. <laughs> exactly. The money's making you. Man. You ain't yeah, making that's, no that's, money. That's so real. And so, you. you know, that's one of those things is that like, we actually can collaborate, yeah. which is always what we've done, and just like make life better for each other. Yeah. We don't have to be in competition with each other. We should be in competition against white people, yeah, <laughs> because right. they intentionally and systematically are holding us down. I always yeah. say this, like with, with with the vision, like with our vision, is like it's not about like you know an alt right like revolution. It, it's it's more of a beat them at their own game and form our own, you know, reality. Right. That that we can that we can live in. It's not mm-hmm. about being a community and, and wa- watching each other's backs. It's about protecting each other's backs and forming a society that allows us to be not just the monolith that they want us to be, but to be as free people as we are. Yeah. Right. I have I have two things to say to that. I I was gonna talk about my college and I wanna talk about integration. <laughs> um, for for like at Howard, um, I was talking to one of my friends about this and she was saying that at Howard, when we're all there, we're not trying to compete against each other. Because mm-hmm. like when we see another another um another student get a grade on the test, it's like, congrats. You know, it's not like it's not like we're all trying to beat each other at Howard. I feel like at PWI, for those predominantly white institutions, it's very, it's very like compete or like like do doing shysty things. Mm-hmm. 
in order to get to the top of your class or, or edge this person out. Ooh, and, 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 I see what you're going and, at. That's and, and, crazy. And, and they also don't tend to help each other as much mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. with like with essays and tests at PWIs compared to at HBCU, yeah. where 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 we're all trying to help each other get get to where we need to be as Black people. And um, the second thing I wanted to say about well, it, uh, let me ask you this yeah, question: Do you think that it's because it's black on black, or because it's because of the environment that the black people are in? You're, you're talking about the PWIs. Yeah, I'm not. I'm I'm saying not even just black people, just overall the the entire culture of the school. I'm not talking about black oh, people at okay. PWIs. I'm I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm not, I took that a different way. Yeah, I'm talking about the, the entire culture of like of like a Cal Berkeley or something like that. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Mm -hmm. Just like the whole the whole we're gonna beat each other out yeah. as compared to like compared to like HBCU. It's like we're all we're all trying to yeah, help each other yeah. get to the top. But at the same time, people look at that and they'll say, oh oh, you guys aren't you guys aren't as good students. Like nah, at Howard there. are so many bright people, so many people yeah. who who want to and will change the world. Yes. And and like that's and that's why I've been able to to elevate my own mind because I'm around people who who are who are thinking on on a different level when I when I'm at Howard University. Oh, no, I think that's I think that's representative though of again like white supremacy. <laughs> like, right, again, right, like right, right there. Competition. It's right there. Competition versus collaboration. To, right. to meet a goal, and now all y'all can win. All y'all can. Exactly. There's money out here for everybody. It's money yeah, for I, everybody. I say this. There's so much money out there. For like everybody. Like everybody can get. Like can get it. You just have to, you know, figure out where to get it and put the effort in. Mm -hmm. Right. And the second thing I was about to say about integration was I think, um, me, me, and Michael always talk about um about the pros of into of segregation when when it came to like black people actually being forced to work together. Mm -hmm. And I think that the communal aspect, when I notice, when I hear my grandma talk, and just, and just that, that the, the silent generation, the, you know, those people, they they were able to, like, they they definitely worked together more in their black communities compared to post-integration to where we were around white people more and the middle-class blacks had the, had the opportunity to move to the suburb because housing laws loosened. And when you have that, we kind of lost the community aspect of raising, of raising each other, mm -hmm. um, of, of raising each other's kids, caring about everybody's well-being in the community, and we kind of became like, 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 like white people. Honestly, we're yeah. not not saying white people don't 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 care about their neighbors, but but compared to a black community, a black community is a lot more vibrant, and you you hear a lot more music playing, you know, mm -hmm. like loud mm -hmm. loud parties, like the community getting together. Yeah, and I think that's kind of something that 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 we've kind of lost as black people. And I know you were talking about. The, the the whole African way of it, which is which is what we need to get back to as well. You know, where we one of the things slave masters did to black people was they made us view the world through their lens mm -hmm. instead of us looking at it through our traditional African lens, mm -hmm. which was more suited for us. You know. Well, they not only I mean made they they beat it out of us. Right. Like they beat the culture out. Like literally. Yeah. Literally, like, like, the kitchen. like yeah. you know, what I'm like that. That Tell was me. real. You know, like that was like it. this is no, no, this is your name. Oh no, it's not your name. I'm gonna beat your ass some more until yeah. it is your name. That's until true. they lose their religion, they lost the language, they lost the culture and customs, and that's what happened. I think that's what people don't, don't uh, uh, realize is that like again, this was intentional. They were like, you are not people, you're property. Right. I'm gonna beat you until you believe it. Like <laughs> the type of individual. To do that to another human. It's sick. It's 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 baffling every time. 
Um, but to your point around PWIs and, and HBCUs, I, it's there's this there is this uh, need for a lot of folks to like be the best, like be the best at what they are, which is fine. Like I'm okay with that, you know. But for me, you know, I don't want to be an expert. Like I don't want to be like the best person in the mental health field. Who does that help? <laughs> like I want to spread knowledge so that like people aren't aren't gonna need me. Yeah. Like right. people are people are doing so well as far as their in, in their lives that they have their own practices and, and coping skills and yeah. has and have healed from their past trauma and all that shit that I will be out of a job. I've never thought that's my goal before. is that I am out of a job. Wow. Because people are fine. Yeah. Do you ever think it's gonna get to that though? I feel like there's a problem for it. Like, we were talking about this last episode. Like, there's a new problem every generation. I think that we it's we can get to that point. I think that as humans, regard, regardless of race, ethnicity, background, whatever, we have to start seeing each other as as humans. Yeah. And not as others. Yeah. And so a lot of people will see someone, we see somebody who's homeless or houseless on the street, and we step over them. We yeah. don't see them as our community. We see them as that homeless person over there. Yeah. But what if everybody, every single person in the community was like, oh shit, this is a houseless person. Let's figure out how to get this person into a home. Yeah. That could happen. We just been conditioned. We just don't. To just look at them. We just, not, not even look at them. Just, not, just get, pretend like they don't exist. That's just yeah. so fucked up. Right? And oh so like God. when we think about... Um, uh, things like crowd, like what's it called, crowdsourcing or crowdfunding, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's using community. I I I have a group right now. <clears throat> I'm I'm about to enter my fourth fourth cycle of the group um, for Black men that I created uh, specifically for Black men of all walks of life, and every single cycle has been funded through community. My followers just were just like, I'm donating this much, five thousand dollars every single time. So that these black men don't have to pay. And this is something that... And I only have 24,000 followers. Yeah. So imagine like... If a Beyonce was just like... Yeah. Everybody donate a dollar to this thing. Yeah. And it's so yeah. easy. But, but yet yeah, it's not done. Yeah. Because people don't care about the community no more. They don't. And they don't want to give up... I think, they, I think people care. Right, okay. I think they don't want to give up their power. They don't want to give up their resources. They don't want to give up their money. Mm. Because there's, again, there's something comfortable at the same time about being an other. There's something, again, that white supremacy teaches us. It's like, wait a minute, I have more money than that person? I can live on the 10th floor and they're only on the first floor? Bet, I like that. There's something that we that, that we like about that. That's rooted in white supremacy. That 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 whole selfish nature that, that we've kind of, like, the, the whole individ, individualistic culture that, that we've, that, that we've taken on from white supremacy is kind of, it's it's so sewn into us that we can't even imagine our reality without it. And I hear people talk about, like, like they want to do this and that. I'm like, damn, you realize how many people you're going to exploit by by doing that? Mm-hmm. And you act like, we, we be acting like those aren't even real people. And it's like, okay, they're ignorant. They don't know. They they deserve what's happening to them. Yeah. You know, and a lot of, like, a lot of, like money has made us lose touch with our humanity. Yeah. I think I seen I saw one quote I don't know who said it but it was kind of referencing the United States and capitalism like 
once once a country starts to put money over 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 the over over the moral interest of the country, that's that's when you start to to decline as a world power. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that's that's what's going on in the United States. When you look at the pharmaceutical industry, the the oil industry, it's any any industry that capitalizes off of a problem, off even off solving the effect of the problem, but not the cause. When you need to do all that, when like marketing bad food that that mm -hmm. that gives us mental health problems, all those type of things that that this country engages in, not like always always neglecting the goodwill of the people. Mm -hmm. That's that's when you start declining, and you see problems like so mental health problems, social problems still occurring in our society because because nobody because all we what we we like we don't we, like we don't be praising God in this country. We, we praise the almighty dollar. That, that's, that's like, but, but you have people trying to act like this, this is a Christian, God-fearing country. That, that's not how this country behaves internationally. When they're, that, their words don't match their actions. When they're lying to us about some type of government in faraway South, um, Central America or faraway Middle East. Like, it's, 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 it's sadistic. And, and this country plays a moral facade. Yeah. Moral facade. So. They're trying, and this is what you see... I don't know if y'all follow politics, but this is what you see with the Republican Party right now, is that they're trying to, they're trying to control the narrative and rewrite the narrative around history, which is why there was something I saw. They were trying to get the somewhere in the South. They're trying to get uh, the the word slavery um, replaced um, in history books. They're trying to get it replaced with like involuntary. Servitor, solid, something like that. Um, there are certain books, right, that are that are being banned. Like they don't want to talk about civil. Like they want to. This, these are these are school districts that are saying we do not want our kids to learn about Black history because it points America in a, in a it paints America in, a, in the bad light, this regardless is, if it's true or not. You, as as a white person in this in this country, or any any type of racist or whatever whatever not 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 putting the same the same party together but if if you want to take pride in this country's achievements and everything that it's done for the world you got to take pride in the bad too mm -hmm. you you got to take accountability for all of it cuz this past these past few months all the reading I've been doing I've been learning about so much history and so much things that that white people have done to black people in this country and I'm like why have I never heard this before why? Why hasn't this been taught to me? We just, we we just, we skip from the ending of slavery to maybe talking about W.E.B. and Booker T. a little bit, and then to the civil rights movement, mm -hmm. acting like there was not a whole hundred years of trauma, redlining, resegregation, segregation, all types of like lynchings, thousands and thousands of lynchings, many many hate crimes, all those things that just skipped over, mm -hmm. and, and then and then people yeah. act like, and then even and, in black study classes, you don't even learn about like the actual life and what was going on like all you learned about was the harlem renaissance and we don't humanize the positive. The yeah we, don't, we never humanized mm -hmm. it we always you know we kind of either glorified it as something that was that was something that was beautiful you know or something that was bittersweet but we never really humanized it, mm -hmm. it there was, was pain behind the harlem renaissance yeah. it, it was mm -hmm. bitter yeah exactly and yeah. you only saw those artists. You never saw like the everyday people or the activists, or you know, you never saw the memoir. Like, you're, there's of course there's memoirs, but they don't teach that. Yeah, that's yeah. the problem. They're not teaching this these things. There are also like so many different cities and like black towns that were thriving. Yeah, that we don't like we hear, we hear about Tulsa, 
Yeah. But there are so many more that white people. Wilmington, like, Roseville. Yeah. <laughs> there was, if you look up the first attempted coup in the United That's States. That's Wilmington, 1899. Is that what it is? Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah. The, the first attempted coup in America, the only attempted coup well, on American soil. January 6th now. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, right. Facts, facts, facts. But, but yeah. yeah, but the the first one was, was done to black people. You know, and, and when, when you want to add on that, the only time American planes have bombed, the only time planes have bombed U.S. soil, period, is white planes bombing Tulsa in 1922. And, and, in, and in Philly. Yeah, and in Philly. And in Philly. In Philly. All those things done against black people, and, and then they say, go work harder. Like, there's... there pick is your bootstraps. There's, there's... Yeah, pick up your bootstraps. Like, there is... There's a lot of trauma, like over over sixty all black towns that that were destroyed mm. by by white people. Black Wall Street was a thriving community. Mm -hmm. People, it wasn't no small town. It was a thriving. It was a district. Thriving. Do you know how big a district is? Like, I was, I was in the DA, uh, like the the county the the the, the county the Alameda County DA's uh, program, mm -hmm. and one thing I learned was how big like districts were. In the city of Oakland, mm. East Oakland is broken up into probably about three districts. But think about how big East Oakland is. It goes all the way from the edge of San Leandro to half of the lake. Right. Mm. All of that is East Oakland. Yeah. That's old. That's honestly that is a hundred and ten streets. I can tell you that because I live on. I'm not gonna say, but. Yeah. <laughs> But 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 just stuff right there, right? Like Michael said, that's how that's how big a district is. And when when you were able to be lynched for for something like even looking in the eyes of a white woman, like it was literally that simple. That's literally the only thing that she needed to say. And and, and you was being taken away at night. Mm -hmm. It's it's stuff like living in that type of fear. You can't even, you have to walk down in a in, in a very submissive fashion. You can't even look up. You can't even look up. If you, they they would lynch you if you was walking on the same side of the street as a white person, you know. It's it's terrorism. It's deep. It's, it's terrorism. It's terrorism, but they don't. They're not going to call it terrorism. They try and paint it as all like, types well, of different words. It wasn't. Yeah. But those were just those racists at that point. Like that's yeah. what they like to say. But oh, with all of them. Now we're seeing like the racists that probably did not agree with integration, <laughs> and they're yeah. just like, ooh, actually, let's 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 cut everybody's rights. Yeah, um, right. But yeah, I mean, it's it's, and I think folks have to remember that it's intentional. Like, that's the thing, too. Like, the burning of black um, towns and districts. That's intentional. Right. How um, police have different things like stop and frisk. That's, that's intentional. Yes, How Reagan, you know, made Reaganomics, Reaganomics and, um, and, and, and criminalized, criminalized drugs, the war on drugs. Mm -hmm. It's intentional. Intentionally um, um, targeting black and brown people. There was a point where in the news... Every time you heard something about crime or drugs, it would be there would also be a black face. And again, this is mm. how white supremacy works right. because yeah, that because now Immediate. your brain registers. Now, oh, crime equals a black face. Now on the streets, when I see a black person, I'm afraid because that equals crime right. or drugs. Right. Yeah. Like that's the thing that happens that we don't talk about. Yeah. Even to black people as well. We were talking to black about, people. We talk too, about yeah. this all the time. Right. Like, when when you think about a black person, even as a black person, when you think of a person who's gonna rob you, who do you first think of? And and it, it's not obviously we don't want to think about it like yeah. that, but that's what the media has 
brainwashed us to think. It's even even if we've never been robbed by it's a black person in our life. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, right, right. It's it's that simple. And I think the there's like right right there there's a cause behind that. And to, just to go into the history of that a little bit, in the 1960s, like when when America conveniently first started getting televisions, and they start and the civil rights movement was unfolding, they they were they were looking at how bad. They were, they were being looked at by the rest of the world. Yeah. By like them, y'all trying to spread democracy and then look at the black people in your own yeah. country. Can't, can't even vote. Yeah. You know, so so when that happened, the media started like in like at the like in the mid sixties, black people started started to riot because in urban cities, in urban northern western cities because yeah. because they wasn't getting their like all there were so many problems. And then white people was like, Oh my god, like there and, and, and the news was had heavy, heavy coverage of it. And the FBI and all the internal government organizations, they were like, we need to put the focus on them in, in order to further in order to further our campaign. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 1968 Southern Strategy, get all the white people who, 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 who were mad about integration um, on, onto their side. But to, to put all that together, our, our, our image on the media is done as a result of white supremacy. It's all feeding into that. And our psychology as people, why, why we're always quick to assume that a black person is going to hurt us. All goes down. All goes down to to the media. The media is the biggest influence out of anything. And even to go back, like you can go back in time. Like we were reading in the Man, not media was spread that black men were rapists, mm -hmm. and that, that's how they mm -hmm. oversexualized us then. And and even to go further back, but that's how they continued it. It wasn't. It didn't start there, but it, that's how they continued the the hypersexualized black beast. You know that right. that roams the streets. Now that person. Is, is 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 not as sexualized as, as as in criminalized, but more on a social level. Bro, well, they, they was calling us super predators in the nineties. Yeah, it's it's this idea that a black man will um, rape your white wife. Yeah, and then attack you. Yeah, like that was kind of that that mentality that they were trying to push, and so it's it's <laughs> it, it continues. Yeah, like it, it, it continues. It continues. The saga continues. Um, and and unless we, you know, say something about it, right? It's like the the way in which America is trying to sweep its ugly past under the rug is similar to how in our in our person in our individual lives we, we try to some Man. of us try to sweep that under the rug too. <gasps> so how are we supposed to learn when our country is doing the same shit? Yeah, <laughs> well, that's where where you think we learned it from. Yeah, so it's, 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 it's just an interesting thing to think about. It's an interesting, um, I, I think that's why it, it makes, you know, my job so important. Right. Is that like, I, and I want to also acknowledge that I have, I have a lot of privilege. I have hella privilege. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I went to good schools. Um, I am, which may not seem important, but it no, is. It does. It I'm does tall. Say, yeah. Oh, like I'm a tall black. I don't know, no little things. Like I'm tall. Yeah. Um, I'm like masculine presenting, and so like all of these things work in my favor because people are not going to listen to me. Yeah. I have the privilege to go to like undergrad and grad school. Yeah. Like that shit takes money. I'm sure as as y'all know. Yeah, it does. And so, that's, and that's a big privilege. Right loans I'm not about to pay back. But <laughs> you know, all of these things is is for me anyway. I take that as a responsibility. 
is that if I'm gonna have this privilege and other folks in my same community don't have this privilege, then it's my responsibility to give them this knowledge so right. that then we can move the culture forward. Right. That's that's kind of how, how I feel about our podcast, spreading spreading knowledge and having yeah. these conversations that we're having right here to to put the ideas in people's minds. Because it's not like, the stuff me and Michael know isn't, like it's not just in us, like we had, we had to learn it. So mm, yeah. it's planting the seed and, and giving people the, like at least having them hear it okay like okay i want to research more into this into this when i when i read personally when i'm reading i just like i, I tend to search up other things that are in the text because i want more mm-hmm. background mm-hmm. when i'm reading so i hope we can do the same for our listeners and everybody who has a desire to learn like me and michael do yeah. you know, yeah. when we when, when we first started you know when we first when we first when i first wanted to get you on again i i, I was always thinking about why mental health is so important and what would be next you know and i and I feel like I finally now understand that mental health really is connected to intellectualism. You know, the the process of really clearing your mind and figuring out what works for you and then going to chase what you want, but understanding how to chase it is a mm-hmm. very important thing. And I feel like intellectualism, reading books and figuring out, you know, going deeper into and having conversations with people to, to spread knowledge about whatever whatever you're interested in Mm -hmm. and i feel like mental health really is tied to that and that's that's why i really i really thought that would be nice to get you back and i think it's like one is once you get all that other stuff out of the way then you can actually focus on whatever it is that your passion is i think the other thing too is that um your your critical thinking skills right when you when you read something there's some there's critical thinking that happens yeah. that should happen. There's analysis that should happen. Right. And then once you do that, you can apply it to your own life because we all have a story, right? We all we're, we're all we are all the protagonists of our stories. And so, when we can look critically at our story, when we can look critically at us at, 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 as the protagonists and not just try to give ourselves excuses. Like that's when we talk about the real. Yeah. And if it's not real, then I don't want it. Man, that's exactly how I be feeling. When I give people advice, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep it real with you. Keep it a whole being. Yeah. Michael knows how I give him advice. I, I keep it I, I keep it real. Like, if, if he has a problem, like, I'm I'm going to say, I'm, I, I don't care how personal I mean. I talk about everything. Yeah. But even with even with other people I'm close to, I'm going to keep it real with you. And I think that's what we, that's what we need. I think in our society, we, we tend to sugarcoat things too much. Mm-hmm. We, we, try to act, we tend to act like, oh, it'll just all be okay. And, you know, it can be okay. But what we have to get down to the real nitty gritty of the problem that you have, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And you have to be have you have to surround yourself with the right people. Yeah. Or get yourself the right help. Yeah. True. Very true. You know. So, I I just think it's I think it's it's just very cool. I think in this in our community, mental health is something that I think we need to work on. Well, I don't, I don't want to say work on mental health, but 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 just but just being able to improve it, to improve it better. Yeah. But I, I, I did want to I did want to have more background on your podcast though. Uh, how, how, what do you what do you guys what do you think your you guys primary goals are? Or were or or were were oh, your ending? Right. Right. Do said, you feel yeah, like yeah, you ending. fulfilled your primary goals with your podcast? I feel like so. Um, the the melanated social work podcast is uh, comprised of four individuals. We're all social workers. Um, we're all <clears throat> all identified as men, and. Um, we really 
I think our, our main goals were to um, destigmatize um, mental health in black and brown communities because there's a stigma. People are like, yeah, you going to therapist, you must be crazy, right? <laughs> yeah, um, right, that's, that's, that's so toxic. So destigmatizing that, um, changing the way that mental health is actually practiced. So yeah. again, I told y'all that it's rooted in like white supremacy, yeah. that which uh, created right. for white men by white men. And so we want wanted to basically shake that up and yeah. say like, okay, well, let's question this. Let's change this. What happened if we don't do this and we do this instead? Yeah. Right? So that's one of ours. And then um, just fighting for black liberation. Mm. And so when, when black people are liberated as the most oppressed group in America, then everyone is liberated. Right? right. And so... Those are our three kind of main goals, and we just wanted to have dope people and dope conversations around how we get there, yeah. um, both as therapists and, like, working individually with people, but, like, this bigger level, too, of how we need to challenge systems, yeah. um, how we need to call out, you know, you know, white supremacy, capitalism, patriarchy, homophobia, all that stuff, um, and how it's the responsibility of all of us to do it. Yeah, right. I think in our in, in black society we've kind of we've kind of especially in the middle class I think we've kind of we've neglected those responsibilities right. that we that we need to have yeah um, because you know while while we're in a better spot like you said you know you have the privilege to to be able to afford college and and it's just the same same with me I I'm I have the privilege to be able to to afford college and be able to go to school in D C and be able to fly back and forth you know and whenever a break comes. A lot of people don't have that that privilege, and I think for for all of us as a whole, if we want to get together and work as a community, so we can actually free ourselves as a people, not not just thirty to forty percent of the population, but but everybody, mm -hmm. we need to. I mean, and I, I hear black people be like, I don't I don't want to give all I don't want to give all my all my money back to them. You know, yeah. you don't you don't you don't have to give everything, mm -hmm. but you have to give something. Yeah, you, I think that the like the problem with that like that I think the problem with that is is that like the black community doesn't really have anything to offer besides goods that aren't necessary or vital. But I think that's I think that thinking is putting value over things, right? Putting value on money and on things rather than like knowledge and things that we can actually do. Cause we all have skills. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I was alluding to. It's oh, okay. like, I think that like black people should start more investing themselves into businesses like that are service based, mm -hmm. like trades. Yeah. You know, like like I tell like all my like my all, all the young black people that like that I run into, all the young black brothers I run into, like pick up a trade because at the end of the day, you need something that's skill based. You need you need to be needed in society if you want to make some money. Yeah. If you want to make your own money. But, not not money that's given to you. But even I'm thinking, away from money, yeah. like how can people be valuable toward each other? How yeah, can that, community right. be valuable yeah. toward each other? Yeah, and so sense. something that um, try to different thought, um, yeah. but like so like I, you know, have a skill of public speaking, yes. right? And maybe you have a skill of uh, of making music. How can we? almost barter right yeah. how can i give you a training and you make a beat for me 
right? And so there's no money being exchanged. Yeah. But we're both get, giving and gaining something yeah, because of like what we're good at or yeah. what we're skilled at, yeah. right? And how do we move away from monetizing every single thing, which is hard, obviously, because we're in a capitalist yeah. society. But how do we start to move away from it? How do we start to not um, um, have these jobs where we have to pay taxes and when we yeah. can just directly pay an individual, right? And it's, it's, it's really thinking again it's thinking outside of the box how to not use systems because we don't really need them yeah that's real and I, I, I love that because I, I tend to think people always equate giving back with money mm-hmm. yeah. it's not it's not just about money it's it's about I don't know for, for, for me something something little I try to do in my community when I, I work in a primarily black neighborhood in the Fillmore in San Francisco every every every, every black man I see I, I give a little head nod you know, mm-hmm. or like, I always, you know, I always say something, you know, it's because just because we need to have that sense of community and togetherness. I'm like, yep. hey, 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 what's up, black man? You know, it's, it's, it's that simple. And it's and things like that go a long way in making us feel comfortable yep. with each other. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And, and I and like people tend to think all that stuff is corny. I'm like, it's, it's not corny. Like, our, the like that, like a community is something that's important, it's something important. That's that's how you. That's how you solve, or or just or just have better mental health as people. You know, it's a, life. Life is about people. Right. You know, life is about people. It's not about money. It's not about man, like, people do all this stuff t- to get good jobs, so so they have money and they're happy. It's like it, it doesn't always have to work like that. Yeah. Not not saying you can't get a bag, but you still gotta prioritize your your mental health and your happiness, yep. and making sure you're keeping in contact with people who who make you happy. Yeah. That's all that type of stuff instead of getting caught up in the grind culture like yeah. you're talking about earlier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, that really, that grind culture, that, that's a real, a real toxic thing. I, I never even thought about it that way. Yeah. And it's a, and so grind culture is, it stems from um, what's called internalized capitalism. Mm. And so internalized capitalism, simply put, is this idea that our worth is connected to what we can produce. Mm. And so if we're not being productive, we think, oh, I got to be, I got to do something, which is when the, you know, when the pandemic first started, a lot of people felt bad for like taking a nap during the day or taking a, like a a longer lunch for 15 minutes because we're all taught that we have to be productive at all times to have, to have worth, to have value. Yeah. When that's not the case. Damn, that's, that's so true. I think. I think we all have that internalized capitalism. Oh, for sure. It's just literally just our culture. It's, yeah. and, and, and it's something that everybody buys into. Yeah. And, and once you stray away from that, people look at you like, what are you doing? Yeah. And, like, and they'll look at you crazy if, if, yeah. you're not, if you're not doing something lucrative. Yeah. You know? So I think we just need to, I'm, I'm very big on, on happiness and utilizing your skills to, to, to not only make money, but also, but also be happy. Because because nobody nobody likes working nobody's the one who wants to work a job for for forty years if they're not happy mm-hmm. you know I, there was this old dude who walked up to me in my job and I was having I was helping him out and stuff like that and he's he said he was a commercial real estate agent and and he said he's enjoyed every every day of his life and he's like he's been working it for like the past forty years he was, was an old white dude and he was saying say commercial real estate yeah that man is rich <laughs> but he uh, yeah he uh, no, I, I, he gave me his number and stuff. Yeah, give that to me. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but um, but but just like that, he said he loved it every single day, and mm. I think 
we need to, every single day because he says always been a new challenge and stuff like that and i think with things like that we need to prioritize not only our career but how are we going to feel in this career yeah, it's yeah. not just about money yeah it's not like the dreams of our parents are only going to take us so far mm-hmm. at the end of the day it's about realizing our own dreams yeah and getting caught caught up in this capitalistic um just society, society that we're yeah. in we, we tend to overlook our, our happiness and mental health. That's why we have the problems that we do. Yeah. Because we're in a stage of capitalism where you you have to be working to survive. And if yeah. and, and if you're not, like, you know. You're not going to survive. Right. It's that simple. You got to keep up. You got to keep On Instagram and posting. Yeah. Oh, and my God. I'm on vacation. I'm on a cruise. Yeah, I'm going right? to hop off in a minute. You but. know, I was, I was kind of thinking, um, I feel like for my, for, for our generation, I think in about 30 to 40 years, Social media is gonna hurt us a lot. I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be really, really bad things that people aren't thinking about. Because of it is. Look at OnlyFans. Like, no, no, bro, no, like, no. What? No, I'm not even talking about from that perspective. I'm talking about from. We're gonna be able to see what, what all our high school friends and grade school friends are doing when they're 45. <laughs> and 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 but and the thing is, not everybody's gonna be like like a, a big mogul or something. Yeah. It's gonna be regular people. But but we're gonna be constantly comparing ourselves yeah. to to people who made it versus people who didn't, and also to past selves as well, you know. Right, and Even I like what we used to be in high school or whatever we used to be in college or when we were in our twenties. Right, that that person that that now we are now. I guess like I see what you're saying. Like midlife crisis for like us are gonna be like it's, way. It's gonna be different. way worse. It's gonna be way worse because That's because be crazy. the midlife crisis now you're you're kind of comparing people. Um, in, in your immediate circle. Yeah. If I have, if I every person I graduated from college with, yeah. high school with, elementary, grade school with, on on my Instagram page, and I'm seeing what they're doing, I'm like, damn, I didn't love what I was supposed to do. Like old, older people now don't really have as much of that burden. It's like if, if you're working, if you're working a regular nine to five, you know, and you're, and you're 50, you're, you 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 don't you don't really know. It was, what, the, it was simple back then. You, you don't know what the random dude in, in your math so. class is doing today. True. Yeah. But now you do. That's a good yeah. point. You know, that's something I, cause I think about the longer term effects of social media. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, and it's, all, it's only getting worse because yeah. you got things like, like LinkedIn always, <laughs> always comparing like it, for, mm. for, 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 for my grade college, LinkedIn, if you hop on there, you're going to feel terrible because yeah. you see what all your friends are doing. Yeah. I'm like, damn, he got mm. an internship and I don't have that internship. He's working with that law firm. He's, he's going to, he's going to graduate school there. Damn, what am I doing with my life? Yeah. You know, and it's it's something that, that that we don't that we tend to to forget about, and this, and this is stuff that's gonna hurt us in in a long time. That's why I, either we disconnect or mm, yeah. you know, it's, that's yeah. a good point. Mm, also, there's nothing wrong with OnlyFans. Not that I'm on it, but <laughs> people, sex work is the is the what, longest uh, profession in this world. So that is people getting their money. It's, it's, it's been around for since forever. Yeah. everybody's wanted to. It's just kind of just caught up with the times, I guess. That's that. Digital. And people are making I never like thought money. about it that. Like I, the way I'm thinking about it, I was thinking about it. I guess in a sense, the same way as him. But I guess. Oh yeah, I guess so. Like for like it's on there forever. You like and then, it. you know you get you have kids. Like you were 19 when you did it. Now you're 33. You can probably delete it. I I I, I, I hope so. Because because then you got screenshots. People want to save it. I, I don't know. I can't mm. trust it. 
Well, I, I think the, the, the thing about sex work in the past, um, once you once you were done, didn't there was no Fancy. evidence of it, so to say. But, oh, but, but I thought you were taking it a different way. But no, I mean, but, but like, but like, like an evidence in the future. Yeah. You know, so, so, yeah. something that can haunt you. <laughs> like like that one challenge on TikTok where everybody was like, yeah, so this is my granny. She helped, she put my mom through school by hoeing. <laughs> oh, I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah, and then all the and then all the grandmas like, what? I didn't do that. But like, oh. you wouldn't know, like, because right. there's no proof, there's no evidence. True. Right, right, True. right, right. <laughs> I yeah, I, I just think that I just I, I tend to think from from like from like a longer term scale, and especially when it comes to like social media and everything. Yeah. yeah. I honestly, I'm gonna look back at some of my tweets and thirty girls and be like, oh, like damn. The hell is you saying? I mean, if, if <laughs> yeah, trying to run for office or anything, that's going to be all bad. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Especially for these. I, 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 like, I feel like people who are running for office, like, like, I feel like they they know they can't post anything, though. Like, mm. I feel like everyday people, they know they have a little more lenience of what they can post. Because, well, yeah, but, like, people running for, I mean, you don't know if you're running for office when you're 16. Right, oh, right. You have true. you have no idea. That's true. That's when you say some of the wild shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because, like, I mean, politicians tend to run in their 40s and 50s. Yeah. yeah. You, you, you don't, you don't really yeah. know. You, you have, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be a politician now. I don't plan on being one, yeah, but who know who, but who's to say I won't become one? Right. Like, a lot can change in 20 years. Yeah. You know, I could be a public official, but but, but not a politician. But but, but in anything, like a mayor or you know, that's a politician. Is it a mayor? Bro, what? Yeah, you're right. Never mind. <laughs> now I'm thinking about it. He's still he's he's in major politics. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about. I'm my... thinking. I'm thinking government poli- I'm thinking government politicians. Too. No, I'm. I mean, it's still the government. I mean, I mean, I mean, U.S. and it's, it's all it's all the same white supremacist faction yeah. at the end of the day. Um, <laughs> I mean, you can't well, disagree. Were black towns back then based in white supremacy? Uh, I'm talking about my. Well, yeah, yeah, I know, but if there were to be one, would it be based in white supremacy or would it be based in? Well, I mean, the, the only way I could see it being based in white supremacy is the fact that they engaged in capitalism. But I mean. I'm sure there are some some aspects of it. Right. That, yeah. I mean, the competition part, right? Yeah. Like, there's businesses. The businesses are going to be in competition. They're probably they probably weren't like, yeah, let's come together and be a big business. Right. Like, no, yeah. like, no, I want my business to be the best one in this town. Yeah. Right. Like there, like so there are certain aspects of it. There may have been some colorism, right? So yeah, like this idea sure. that like light skinned people are more attractive or better in whatever way, and so like, again, those things are interwoven into the fabric of America as That's they right. say interwoven and so like you can't I, I don't think anyone's going to be able to completely unlearn every single yes, aspect it of would take it would take generations and, yeah. and and so it's it's there I just think we just have to notice it and always be kind of mindful of it and, and check ourselves Right, we definitely definitely have to check ourselves. And each other. Yeah, I, I was about to. I was about to say we hold each other accountable. Yeah. A lot of times we tend not to hold each other accountable when we see some something weird going on around us. We tend to just, okay, it doesn't yeah. affect me, you know. But I, I think, I mean, as society, that that if 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 we all believe that we are the leaders that we need to be in the future, we have to be able to check each other and our friends when we see something wrong. Mm-hmm. You know that, that that's what leaders do. Leaders leaders go against the status quo and what's and what the society wants you to believe or do what what, what 
what the society perceives as right, but but morally, you know that it's wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to be able. We gotta hold each other accountable. You know, I tend. I, I don't think we. I don't think. I don't think we do that enough. I don't think we do that enough. So you know, so we we got a whole bunch of things to improve on. Yes, we do. In our, in our society, we have we have we have a lot of things to improve on. And in, in, what do you mean in our society? Like within black society, or just in masses? Yeah, I was saying in, in, in America. Okay, got you. In, in in America, period. I think there's just this is the more I've been reading. There's just been so many lies told in this in this country. Yeah. And um, we don't focus on we don't focus on them enough. We just tend to focus on our present. Well, why are we so fixated on the present? Like, like the, the present moves like like how it's moving right now. It's just yeah. it just goes. There, there's there's a reason why you're here podcasting with us right now because yeah. something that happened in the past history. I feel like you know, I feel like that simple. When you, when you think about it that way, like I saw something today. The guy was like, when we think about when people say, don't take things personally. Like when it comes to business, mm-hmm. I feel like black people have been like, we can't take things personally. When it comes to in terms of white people, because it's not their fault, you know. Mm, but you're talking about like in our society right now. Yeah, or like when it comes to like, yeah, within our society now, right. I feel like that is true to a certain extent. But we can't forget what has happened, and we have to cope with the emotions of what has happened to us, and move on. And that's the pro. That's 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 what we we're, we're kind of stuck in. We're stuck in the emotion. We don't really know what to do with with our emotion. Well, I mean, and, and what to do with with our capital. I mean, I think or it's with like, even not not even capital. With our power. With the, with the power that we have as as a as not even as a monolith, but as a as a group of people, we have a lot of power. Well, I mean, I think it's hard for us. To move on as a people, when when the problems that we're trying to, to move on from are still prevalent in our community, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like true. trying to it's trying it's like trying to move that's on. That's real as well. It's like trying to move on from like from like a toxic girlfriend. If she's still around, if, if she's still coming up in my house every like, like twice a week, how am I gonna move on? Yeah, she yeah she's still there. Right, how am I gonna move on? Still there in the bed, so, waiting for you. Hey, babe, how you been? What? I'm not you moved out. Right, now I'm still here. She got that key. <laughs> she got that key. She, she got, got that key. She, she got, got that key to your mind. She know where it is. She know where it is. Under that mat. It's underneath the mat. Yeah, she, 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 already, she already know it was tactics to yeah. to use to keep you stringing along. I don't know, for, for our problems with the, with the, with white supremacy, you could say divide and conquer. Just, yeah. just, uh, that's one, one tactic right there yeah. that they use to keep us from, 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 from having unity. Yeah. and eventually liberating ourselves. But it's also not, and I talk about this a lot on my platform, it's not the job of black people to dismantle white supremacy. That's the job of white people. That's a fact. And yeah. so when white people, and when we're simply asking, we're not even <laughs> asking a lot, we're asking them to just, we're asking them to, to, to systems say, that were, wait, no, 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 we're just looking to, to, to say, hey, this is my experience and it's different from yours. They can't. We we can't even get there with 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 with, with the majority of white <laughs> people. That, 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 that's so that's true. That's actually why we and can't I even get we, there. Yeah. And so when we're trying to talk about dismantling, like that's step twenty, yeah. and we're just trying to get past step one, which yeah. is just acknowledgement that like some harm has happened, yeah. and that like you as a white person have 
inherently more privileged than I ever will as a black person. Yeah. Regardless of Obama being president, which is something that people love to say. Uh, they, 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 say Obama. They, they say all that. Kamala. Oh my God. Look at look at Obama being president. Yeah. Look how rich president. all these rappers are. Look look at black people who have money. Like what does that what does that do for me? Or what is what is that what does that do for for all the individuals at at, at the bottom of society who 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 are who are in, in any type of situation because of, of because of because of events that happened a long time ago or not not even long like you could say a generation ago. It gives but, us token hope. But white people look at that and say, "Oh, Obama did that. Oh, LeBron made it. How come you can't? You're just <sighs> not trying hard enough." I literally got into an argument with somebody saying that on Instagram the other day because they were saying. Talking about like like black people who come into my store and intend intend to rob my my, my, <laughs> my store. Even though it's it's not just black people who do it, but even just black people can committing crimes. Like and I was trying to explain to them, they're they're not attacking you out of hate. Yeah, it's for for who you are. It's right. just what they need. Right, right, and and desperate times you got it. make make you go and go to desperate measures. Mm -hmm. And I and I and I and I and I may be saying, well, why don't they just work harder and stuff like that? And I'm saying, it's deeper than that. It's not just work hard, get a job, and now I'm done. This is the environment that these people are raised in. Like this, their 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 worldview is completely, completely different mm -hmm. than yours. Yeah. And, I, and I don't think we have an understanding it's, of each it's, other. Yeah, it, it's completely. It's not even. It's not even from like an like a like from what we consider reality. Right. It's from a, it's like from a, like a survival based, like I like I don't have anything, and if I don't do anything, I'm not going to have anything. Mm -hmm. And I and I don't think it's, I don't, I don't think it excuses us from committing violent crimes, of course, or not. whatever. But we need to understand that if you, if you guys want these, everybody who complains about these problems, yeah, if you want them stop. to stop, you have to understand what's causing them. And not just deal with the symptoms, like like I was talking about earlier with like law and order and, and that and that and that whole mumbo jumbo. Dealing with the dealing with the dealing with the the effect, but not the cause. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean we look at policing and and like how the band aid response is just to put more police out there. Right. Yeah. And it's just like, well, no. If you really understood the why, like I'm <laughs> I'm sure if if folks really took the time. To look at whoever's being incarcerated, really mm -hmm. seeing what's happening, what yeah. happened, what happened in the life of that person that was incarcerated, to drive them to commit whatever crime, quote unquote crime, because it could have been a low, low drug offense, which in my brain isn't really your crime, but really looking at what is going on in that person's life, and then saying, oh, we can actually help with rehabilitation. We we can actually help you with school. We can actually help you get a job. We can actually right? help you with school and get a job. If that yeah. was a thing instead of like, oh no, we're going to lock your ass up and set bail and lock you up and spend all of the taxpayers' money to like do all of this and then throw you in prison. <laughs> Who was that rehabilitation? Right. Yeah. And it's it's crazy because in the United States actually came to this realization that like the reason why black people were were like were were writing in the 60s was because of economic economic and like disadvantage and stuff like that it was called the Kerner Commission in 1967 President Johnson got got his, his most trusted men to to, to to come in and analyze these 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 events and they can in in the main problem was poverty like and, and even though they did this commission there there there's a whole book about it and it's something that this government has done officially but they they realized that they didn't have enough money or that that's what they said even though they was fighting a whole war in Vietnam, 
during this time period. They said they didn't have enough money. So the second solution was, okay, just, just address the effect, which was more crime, lock them up. Now we have mass incarceration, and like we said earlier, more problems. That's not even a band-aid, though. That's what's crazy about that. That's it's like, a band-aid to them. Just, but it's not it's even a band-aid. Lock them away and never see them again, and now the problem is solved. That, 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 but then you add the prison industrial complex to Woo! like People yeah. are making money off of black yeah. bodies being in prison, too. Yeah, it's, not, making it's, money. Not a it's not a government thing. It's a privatized... Again, it's know. intentional. But yeah. regardless, it's intentional. Like, the from, from stop and frisk on the street to, like... Yeah putting a, a black body in prison it's all intentional it's all about money capitalism again right i mean sure. I, I i i haven't talked about this a lot all summer but when you look at american deindustrialization in the 1970s which was caused a lot of black like black men were the primary workers in 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 industrial complexes um in factories and stuff like that once once that once america deindustrialized and moved all those factories to like overseas we lost our jobs, and mm. um, like most black men, relied on these jobs in order to to sustain income. And then by 1980, you have the black male unemployment rate at 20%. Yeah. Well, no, no, not the black male, but the black unemployment rate at 20%. And when this happened, you have things like mass incarceration because now since these black men are not contributing to the economy, let's just throw them in jail. Yeah. Put some crack in there too. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Put some crack in there, make them desperate, throw them in jail. Now that now they're making money for us through the prison industrial complex. Yeah. So it's it's very deep, very economically. And, and if you want to talk about it on a dark market type of way, they're still making money from them for the dope dealers. Right. Yeah. So yep. like you know, and and then on top of that, they're still sending them, they're sending the dope dealers to jail to make more money for them. So that's what's really crazy. My goodness, this is so crazy looking. America. <laughs> America, land of the free, home of the brave. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's honestly, I could talk about this stuff all freaking day. And it's just crazy how much America has, I, it's, it's just crazy how America has, has rationalized a lot, of, a lot of the ills that, that, that have been perpetrated throughout the history of this this country is we're just ignore just flat out ignore we just ignore just flat out flat out straight up ignore straight up ignore yeah this is a great episode and we did say we're going to start this so (laughs) today's word of the day is disinherited disinherited which is which is which is which means wait hold on a second let me let me because it does not have an actual definition it just has it as a as a synonym but the reason why I picked this word was because it is something that we don't have we we it compared to white people we don't have heritage we don't have a which is why we are not a monolith you can't consider us a monolith if we don't all know where we all came from right you know so when you try to put us all in this one box the one thing that we all have in common is disinheritance. Right. I, I kind of I looked at that as like a different way. Like disinheritance, we haven't we haven't been given our, our just due for, for for the things that we have done mm. for this country and the wars that we have fought and the property that we have built yeah. and this like the whole infrastructure that, yeah, that we have. Forty acres and a mule, whatever we're at. And 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 everything that we've done for this country and we haven't been given the proper economic treatment. Yeah. So that, that that's what I thought of, but. Hey, that's something new me and Michael are starting to do where to the day, just kind of yeah. summarize the podcast and also teach y'all some vocabulary. <laughs> so, what's yeah. the 
So I tried to look it up real quick. What's the definition of it? That's I. It just has the synonym. I don't know why it just disinherit. Disinherit. Disinherited. 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 I'm about to have to see. Change one's will or take other steps to prevent someone from inheriting one's property. It's right there. <laughs> it's right there. Mm. That's crazy. White this people have disinherited black people from being able to claim what is ours. I mean, you can even go with that with like redlining, not not allowing us to buy homes in an urban city. Even cities. gentrification, suburbs, it all even that. comes to that. Like that's literal disinheritance. Right. It's, 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 it's kind of forcing you to to make a decision that is not in your best interest. Right. Right. It's very and, they, and and the people who are taking these houses know that it is. Right. Well, yeah, but yeah, yeah, y'all. That's the word of the day. Yep, it's a good word. Yes, thank you, Uncle Mark, for coming on. Of course, on this platform. You know, thank you guys for listening. You know, um, as always, like, subscribe, follow, comment, and uh, yeah, leave follow, a leave a review. Yeah, yeah. Please leave a review and follow us at the Black Lotus Podcast on Instagram. It'll be much appreciated. And the same username on TikTok. So. It was and nice. Coming soon to uh, Twitter. And yeah. we are on YouTube too. Yes, sir. Yes, and sir. And Spotify, all that stuff. But as we always say, as long as you guys show love, we'll stay consistent. Peace. One love.